What is up, everybody? Welcome into the Friday edition of Locked On Tigers. I am your host, Chris Castellani. We've reached Friday in what's been one of the most draining weeks in America in recent memory. I mean, at a time, we, we it seemed for a while, I mean, as bad as things were, like there wasn't a lot of infighting. It seemed like people were staying in their homes and then, of course, this week was uh, was really brutal, and uh, unlike COVID, I do think that this week with the the protests going on around this country, I I do believe that there will be some that will come out of it. Uh, the dialogue continues to be open regarding race in this country and police brutality in this country, and I, I hope it opens the door for for more dialogue and for more people listening to other people's point of views because it's something that that's much needed both in sports but also in in this country right now is understanding other people's point of view I talked about this a, a ton on Monday's show I'm not going to uh, I'm not going to go down that road again just kind of providing you with a with a mini recap I will be returning to my regular job my my main job on Monday after two and a half months in quarantine you know sacrifices obviously were made but I, I'll be returning there and Thus will end a two-and-a-half-month journey of isolation and self-reflection and self-analysis, wondering where in the world am I going to go from here. And I think a lot of people, including myself, you know, I've thought about this a lot, is, you know, can we come out of this better than we came into it? And that people's definition of better is, is going to change. I think that I'm in a slightly better headspace than I was before quarantine. I'm not one of those people who who says like, oh man, I took everything for granted and now, you know, I just want my sports back. I never took sports for granted. I never took baseball for granted, but I do desperately want things to go back to the way things were in the sporting world. And baseball seems to really, really be struggling with that. Now I'll say this and I will get to your mailbag questions later on, but I'll just say this. You know, the NBA has announced their plans when they're coming back. July 22nd, I believe, is, is their official return date. And I think the already, I think Major League Baseball has has squandered a golden opportunity to, to really have all eyes on them to make the baseball the center of the sporting world for the first time in a long time. To me, they've already screwed that up because best case scenario, we get, what, three weeks of baseball before people go on to the other bigger and to many other people, not to me, more important major sports. I think that's devastating. I think they've really messed this whole process up and they have had their feet in the mud, dragging themselves through the mud over the last couple weeks. And it, it could end up being incredibly harmful. Jason Stark had a phenomenal piece on The Athletic saying what a lot of fans are are thinking right now, and that's that what baseball is trying to do right now is not save the 2020 season. They're trying to save their sport. The problem is, I don't think they know that. I don't think they understand that. I think you get you get to a point, especially the owners, get to a point where they're so rich, you almost become stupid. You you lose complete touch with the rest of the outside world that you don't understand the potential damage that's being done to to the sport that you say you care for. And they are at, they are at threat level midnight, ladies and gentlemen, to quote The Office. They are in a dangerous spot right now. And if, I've, I've talked about this a million times. If they don't come up with something soon, the sport will be dead. I, I, I feel like I, I feel like a parent who who constantly has, watches their kid free basing 
and just keeps telling them, if you go this route, you will kill yourself. And after a, a long enough time of doing that, eventually you get to a point where you just say, fine, if you want to kill yourself, go ahead, but don't expect me to watch. That's the position that baseball is in right now. They are treading extremely lightly. They have waited until the last possible second. I'm going to make a prediction here, and I've I've been asked this question before, and I've never really had an answer. I think by Monday's podcast, we will know, and look, this will probably age very poorly, but we will know by Monday whether or not we're going to have some sort of baseball this season. We should know pretty soon. It's June 6th. It's the 6th of June. Figure it out or watch your entire sport disintegrate. Those are the options right now. Okay, so I did get three mailbag questions. I appreciate you guys sending those in. I'll answer those right now. First one coming to us from Brendan Wilson at BrendanWill33 on Twitter. Say there's no baseball this season. How does it work for service time, contracts, etc.? Do we just start next season with the contracts from last or what? That's a really good question. From what I've read up on, from what I've heard, the answer would be no. Meaning Mookie Betts, if there is no season, will have never played a game for the Los Angeles Dodgers. His contract will be uh, completely up. Jordan Zimmerman, who was mercifully in the last year of that bloated, awful contract, will be off the books. And I think as as sad as that is for fans of certain teams like the Dodgers, who were looking forward to having Mookie Betts on their team for at least a year, there is the possibility that he could re-sign. I think that's the way you have to do it because we live in a league with so much parity and you have so many teams rebuilding, you are in danger of setting all these organizations back, delaying their rebuilds another year by having these bloated contracts like what the Tigers have. I think it's it's upsetting, I'm sure, to a lot of people who want to see guys like Mookie on the field, but I think it's only fair, and it's, it's too bad, but everything about this is too bad. The fact that we're not going to see 162 this year is too bad, but I, I think that's probably the way it's going to be. That's a fair question, and that and that's a good point and a good question as well. The next one comes to us from at Detroit Pierce. Is this shortened season better or worse for the future of the Tigers? That's a good question as well. Because right away, I felt like I was going to have an answer, but it really did take me a minute. And to be honest, I'm still brainstorming and trying to think if it would be better or worse. Because it would be better in some ways because I think, I don't know how baseball would figure this out, but I think if there wasn't a season... My guess is the Tigers would probably get the number one pick in next year's draft as well. I I mean, I think so. So that would be better for the future. Look, for the team at the major league level, it would probably be worse because a shortened season would be no trade deadline. So the opportunity of trading some of these one-year contract guys like Scope or Crone at the deadline would be gone. And in a potential 50-game season, even in an 80-game season, the possibility of even the worst team having one solid stretch and being mildly competitive is possible. As bad as this team is, like last year they started out 8-4, and four, right? If they have, let's say, a 20-game stretch like that where they go 16-8, and eight, which I think is impossible, right? But in a 50-game season, you never know. Ultimately, that would probably be worse for them because they're not going to win the World Series, right? And so it would hurt their draft stock. They're already going to be impacted by the fact that there's no minor league season. So my guess, if I had to lean towards a shortened season, would it be better or worse? I would lean towards worse because 
if there was no season, I think it would still set them up fairly well for the future. Yes, it would suck that there would be no minor league season, but there isn't going to be a minor league season anyway, so that the possibility of seeing guys like Mize, Manning, and Scooball work their way through AAA and then get called up to the major league level, that that's not going to happen anyway. I think if there is a shortened season, the possibility of them hurting their draft stock and hurting the future is probably higher than it is if there was no season. That was a really, that was kind of a, a brain twister, that question. I really had to think about that. So I appreciate you sending that question in. But to answer it, I would say a shortened season, probably worse for the Detroit Tigers, just because I feel like it is a higher possibility that they could do something completely ridiculous that may impact their draft stock, which right now is is a big thing. The draft is next week, and I will be talking about that next week, who the Tigers are going to take. Here's hoping that they take the best guy available in Spencer Torkelson. I believe that's a guy. I do believe that is who they're going to take. I do have one more mailbag question that I am going to answer, and I will do that in the second segment here. We will be right back. RockAuto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to RockAuto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even a new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The RockAuto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands, specifications, and prices you prefer. Best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Write locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. To an early morning breakfast burrito, to a 12-pack of beers while you watch the game, sometimes you just need what you need delivered fast, and that's where Postmates comes in. If you're like me, you probably start thinking about what to eat for dinner while you're eating lunch. I love food, and that's why I love using Postmates. They deliver food from every restaurant I can think of right to my door. But Postmates doesn't just deliver burgers and sushi. They actually make my life easier with grocery delivery and whatever I can think of delivery too. Convenience stores, clothing stores, you name it. So no more trips to the store, no more late night food runs. I don't even have to worry about where to grab lunch anymore. Just download Postmates on iOS or Android, find your favorites, and get anything you want delivered within the hour. And for a limited time, Postmates is giving our listeners $100 of free delivery credit for your first seven days. To start your free deliveries, download the app and use the code LOCKEDON. That's code LOCKEDON for $100 of free delivery credit with no minimum purchase for your first seven days when you download the Postmates app. Anything you need, anytime you need it, Postmate it. And we're back. I do want to uh, amend something. I was listening back to that first segment. Sometimes I do that. Sometimes I don't. But I was listening back to it and editing it. I said that if the Tigers could have a hot 20-game stretch in which they went 16-8, and eight, I, I, I'm aware 
16 plus 8 does not equal 20. What I was doing was I was just doubling their hot start from a year ago where they started 8-4. and four. I, I'm, I do have math skills. You, you can't be a fan of baseball and not have some basic math skills. So I just wanted to bring that up in case somebody says that I can't count. I can count. I was just talking a little bit too fast. I have a tendency to do that if you haven't noticed. We have one more mailbag question today. It comes from Brian at Diddy666 on Twitter. Who do you feel is one of the most underrated and most overrated Tigers since 2000? Also, who is low-key and unpopular player that you love? Another good question. You guys send in a lot of good ones, and, and I had a few that came to mind right away. I'll start off with the overrated one because I feel like this one's probably going to be the most controversial and get the most heat, and I want people to understand, I love this guy. This guy had some wonderful, wonderful moments in Detroit. Solid player. Very good player. At his best was a, a all-star caliber player. But the the numbers, the advanced numbers, do not favor him, and that is Victor Martinez. Now, Victor Martinez had some very great years in Detroit, and at his best, finished second for the MVP in 2014. Guy was a hit and fool for a while there. But his first three years in Detroit, where he was very solid, do not negate the fact that three of his last four were abysmal. Had a very good year in his first year in Detroit in 2011. 3.2 war, had an OPS of 850. Very, very good year. Drove in 103 runs. Great, great stuff. Missed all of 2012 with a knee injury. That was devastating. Comes back, got off to a terrible start in 2013. Still ended up hitting 300, actually batted 301, but only a war of 1.2, not anything to write home about, but still, considering what he was asked to do, pretty solid. 2014, the best year of his career, 5.5 war, led all of baseball and OPS, led the American League in on-base percentage en route to his second place finish in the MVP voting, also set a career high with 32 home runs that year. After that, he signed a four-year contract extension with the Tigers and essentially fell off a cliff. 2015 had a war of negative 1.8, bounced back with an all right season in 2016, had an OPS of 826. It's a solid year. He was was very good. Next year, a war of negative 0.5, and then after that, a war of negative 1.3, and his final season posted an OPS of 651. So as much as I I love watching this guy hit, as great as he was at his peak, I think a lot of people view Victor Martinez as like this unbelievable godsend to the Tigers. And and at points, he was. Very good postseason hitter as well. But I also think because of how good he was and because he existed in the heyday of Detroit Tigers baseball 2011 to 2014, people try to glorify his time here. He was very much a part of some really terrible teams and he was terrible on some of those terrible teams. So if there's one guy that I think is probably slightly overrated during his time in Detroit, I would say probably him. In terms of underrated, I went with a pitcher who I think goes overlooked because he was on a staff that was so loaded with strikeout artists like Verlander and Scherzer and Sanchez. But I loved watching Doug Fister pitch, and I thought Doug Fister was so wonderful. 32-20 and 20 record, 3-2-9 ERA in his time here. Very solid in the postseason as well. You know, got a, was acquired halfway through the 2011 season. Dominant. 8-1, uh, and one, one seven nine ERA. Great the next season as well with a 3-4-5 ERA. The year after that, 
Pitched over 200 innings, 3.67 ERA, 114 games. Guy just went out there. He was a he was a blue collar, bring your lunch pail to work kind of pitcher. He just went out there and pitched. He gave you a ton of innings. Didn't have dominant stuff necessarily. Didn't have strikeout stuff, but he did have wonderful stuff. He he was very very good, and he trusted his stuff, and he threw a lot of strikes. A very very fun pitcher to watch. Really kind of a hybrid guy. A lot of people viewed him as this pitch for contact guy, but his stuff was so dynamic that he had the ability. We saw him strike out you know eight batters in a row in one game. We saw him strike out 13, 14 batters in the game in the past, and he was quiet. He wasn't necessarily flashy, but I loved watching Doug Fister pitch. To me, he's one of the more underrated players of that era. In terms of a player that I think people hate that gets overlooked, if I'm just talking about Tigers, and this probably will, will drive some people up the wall, but I actually have two that come to mind. One is Brandon Inge. Brandon Inge, yes. Brandon Inge said some weird stuff when Pudge got acquired, being like, I essentially saying I should be the catcher and not Pudge. And his tenure at the end was abysmal. You know, it was terrible. Offensively, just could not put the ball in play. Struck out all the time. Average was low. OPS was low. But the only reason I hold Brandon Inge in higher regard than some other people do, really two reasons. One, did make an all-star team here. Two, I guess three reasons. I can't even count today. Two, an elite defender. I mean, a phenomenal defensive third baseman. When he was moved over to officially be the the third baseman after Pudge was uh, was acquired to be the catcher, he was phenomenal every day. That was the one thing about his game. That's why he kept making the team and staying on the team. But also had a 5.0 WAR in 2006, that magical 2006 season, second highest on the team that year. Brandon Inge was. A frustrating player, and Leland would constantly put him in weird places in the lineup, but when it mattered most, he had a tendency to come up pretty big. Even though they lost the World Series in 2006, was actually one of the few guys for the Tigers who hit consistently in that series. I understand why he gets the hate, but I, I, I kind of have a soft spot for him. Another guy, too, is Ryan Rayburn. Ryan Rayburn was a guy where things just didn't end well. Uh, he was a solid player in Detroit. He was a very solid hitter, not an elite defender by any means, but provided pop more often than not off the bench in the second half of season seemed like he would get hot. The problem was his tenure as a starting second baseman was a complete disaster. You know, they 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 wanted either him or Scott Sizemore to really take the reins in that second base position and neither of them did, thus leading to them acquiring Omar Infante at the midway point in the 2012 season. I, I liked Ryan Rayburn. I still like Ryan Rayburn. Ryan Rayburn went uh, to other teams and, and filled his role very nicely. He was just not a guy who was ever going to be an everyday starting second baseman, or really an everyday starting player for a team. But when asked to, to fill his role as a kind of a platoon guy, I thought did it pretty darn well. People just have a sour taste in their mouth because of how his tenure there ended. So those are two guys that I think kind of get unfairly dumped on. I won't call them underrated because they weren't really good players, but they had very solid moments in Detroit. Good question. So that will end this week's worth of podcasts. I hope we have something more to talk about on Monday. I I really do. I hope we have some news. We do have the draft next week. That will give us something to talk about you can follow me on Twitter at Castellani2014. That's at C-A-S-T-E-L-L-A-N-I-2014. You can follow this show on Twitter at LockedOnTigers. If you have any questions for the mailbag segment like the one we just did, you can email them to this show's Gmail account, LockedOnTigers at gmail.com. And whether you're back at work or still quarantining, 
go to Apple Podcasts, go to iTunes, leave a positive review of this show. It would be much, much appreciated. Thank you very much for listening this week. Stay safe, everybody. Have a great rest of your day, and go Tigers.